welcome back to the Cook It Real Good podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Hillbron. This week's episode is a little bit different. We're chatting about mindfulness in relation to cooking. I chat with Ada, the founder of Marmalade and Kindness. Ada is an accredited mindfulness teacher and shares her advice for incorporating mindful cooking into our daily life, as well as tips for sustainability in the kitchen. If you found yourself feeling stressed out at mealtimes or have even been trying to add a little bit of meditation and mindfulness into your day, you will love this episode. This week's recipe of the week is my one banana muffins. Have you ever found yourself with one lonely spotty banana in the fruit bowl at the end of the week? Of course you have. Next time that this happens, put that banana to good use and make these small batch muffins. Grab the recipe as well as all the links we discuss in today's episode at cookitrealgood.com slash 57. Now, let's dive in. Hi, Ada. Welcome to the Cook It Real Good podcast. Hi, Casey. It's so good to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Now, before we get into today's topic, can I ask you what your signature dish is? Yes. So this dessert is very close to my heart. And I need to tell you the backstory because it is just so beautiful. Uh, So first of all, the dish is a strawberry and yuzu ice cream cake. And it is sandwiched between these two layers of salted uh, pistachio jacquard. And for me, this is just Paris on a plate. Um, So the inspiration actually came uh, from my first trip to Paris, to the city of love, (laughs) and walking, you know, those cobblestone streets with my partner and just exploring all the different neighbourhoods. And um, it was so beautiful. One day we stumbled across this jam shop called Le Chambre Confiture and the flavour combinations there were just wow. Um, So like raspberry and geranium, like just inventive and perfectly balanced. And so the one that we just fell in love with was this strawberry and yuzu jam. And it was just such a wow moment because it just completely converted me. I am not a strawberry jam girl. Um, I always find it just a bit sort of sickly sweet and that sort of stewed bits of stewed fruit. But um, this was just right on point, like the sweetness and that, you know, wonderful grapefruit sort of mandarin citrus of the yuzu. And um, this dessert, it basically just recreates the flavour of that jam in an ice cream. And um, I don't know, for me, it's just such a joy to make. I mean, the smell of those ripe strawberries when you blitz them to make the ice cream and, you know, that warm sort of nuttiness of the jacquard when it's cooking and just the colours, the pink against that sort of fresh pistachio green. I, I just love it. And um, if you've ever made macaroons, I mean, jacquard as well as that sort of that crispiness and that chewiness and gooeyness in the centre, which is just so, so stunning. So this is my absolute favourite. And um, every time I make it and I eat it, it just, I don't know, it takes me back to just afternoon tea at the Ritz in Paris. So, yeah, that's stunning. Yeah, what a unique combination. Is, so is this one on your blog? Yes, yes. So that, this one's a recent recipe and um, it took a little while of sort of playing around with the balance. I, I don't know if you've worked with um, yuzu before, but a little goes a long way. <laughs> uh, so it was, it took a little bit of time to get the balance right, but I think I think we finally got there. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I, I actually haven't experimented with it too much. So I'm very curious about this one. I'll have to give it a try. 
Yeah, you must. You absolutely must. <laughs> so tell us about the concept behind Marmalade and Kindness. Where, where did it start? What's with the name? Tell us, tell us all about it. Yeah, no, that's such a great question. And I, um, I actually get asked it all the time. So it's been sort of such a journey. About uh, 18 months ago, I moved to London to be with my partner. And honestly, it's just been amazing. We're both foodies and the produce is just divine. I mean, we go to the borough market on the weekends and you can imagine, you know, the gooseberries in the summer and Cornish potatoes and, you know, like eating cheddar from cheddar. And, uh, you know, we just, we fell in love with it all. And um, so, as I say, when we moved over here, I mean, we were just cooking so much on the weekends and experimenting. And, um, you know, we would always sort of think, gosh, I wish we could share this with our family. And, you know, we'd send photos and, and text messages. But actually, there was just so much uh, recipe development that we were doing in the background. And it wasn't until some months later when I was in Athens with my mum and I was really thinking about, well, you know, what, what do I want to do? Like, I'd love to sort of make some contribution um, that sort of makes use of my skills and sort of has a positive impact for other people. And it just kind of came together, this sort of love of writing and cooking and self-development. And it, and it just sort of blossomed from there. And the name, actually, there's a really sort of personal story behind it. So um, when my partner and I were doing long distance, I wrote this poem called Marmalade and Kindness, and it's actually one of the first posts on the website. And it's about love and ageing and imagining myself growing old in an English garden under an orange tree, just surrounded by love and enjoying all the simple things. And in October last year, when I was in Athens, I sort of thought, you know, I was thinking about all of these things. If you've ever been to Athens, you'll know that the streets in the city are actually lined with these orange trees. And I sort of wanted to connect with something that was um, important to me. And this phrase, marmalade and kindness, it just, I don't know, it just kept coming back to me. It just wouldn't leave me alone. And I sort of knew that that has to be the name of the blog. And when I um, sort of developed the food philosophy behind it, it just it made perfect sense. It was that coming together of ideas that you just kind of don't know at the time how it all fits in, but it kind of just did. And um, for me, the marmalade aspect just represents this warmth of homemade seasonal food and kindness. It just captures that intentionality that we bring to preparing it and sharing it with others and you know, really just the effect it has on us. So the name is, is deeply personal to me and I, I hope it, um, sort of inspires other people as well. And to give you a little bit of, um, a little bit of background about what makes the site unique, um, is that at the end of every recipe, there's actually this little section called practice makes progress. And it contains, um, a mindful cooking or like a self-development tip. And the really cool thing about it is that the, um, the tip kind of measures the cooking time. So if it's like a complicated, you know, multi-part um, uh, recipe that has like a longer cook time, the activities are a bit more reflective and um, give you some time to think and reflect on something. And um, the ones that are sort of shorter recipes like salads or something like that focus more on like the process of cooking and really kind of immersing yourself in what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, really just trying to kind of encourage people to kind of immerse themselves in the experience. Um, so, I mean, for me... Again, like I don't know what your experience with cooking is like, but I, I find like it's just this um, 
It's a sort of powerful metaphor for life. You know, I, I don't know if you have like those mistakes where you, know, you burn the toast and you know, like the fire alarm goes off, but there's something in like our reaction to those, um, those little moments of, you know, when something doesn't go right and that, um, that mindset that you bring to it. And I sort of find that when I catch myself and, and I reflect on those reactions, I, um, yeah, I, I, it's an experience to have learned something. I really sort of see it as a learning experience. I always love learning about the backstory behind people's blog names because mm. I, I know like we all have a few, like there's some that, that straight away you're like, okay, yes, that's, it might be the name cooks, like your name cooks. I'm like, okay, I get that. Yeah. But there's some, there's some that you go, there's a story here and I want to know what the story is. So that was really interesting. And I, I, I think that when I think about marmalade, I do think of like, yeah, like homemade cooking, like cozy, warm, loving vibes. Like that's sort of what I'm getting from it and kindness obviously as well. So yeah, I think that yeah. that name does invoke that kind of feeling. Yeah. I mean, and even just with um, making marmalade, I mean, the process, you, know, you do have to be patient. You know, I, I really do. I love those um, slow cooking and, and those recipes that, you know, we just ordinarily wouldn't make, but making the time to make it, you know. So you are a big advocate for mindful cooking, but can you tell us a bit about like what it actually is? Yeah. I mean, I think um, the best way I find to describe it is like if you have a a regular yoga practice or um, if you're someone who's like tried meditation or mindfulness, I mean, I know over the years I've, I've done all three of those things. Um, and I was sort of using them to manage, you know, a really intense corporate career. And I, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself, as you know, as we do, um, to perform. Um, and I found that doing all of those things really had a, a, a really beneficial impact on just the quality of my life and, and my mental health. But one of the things that I had noticed was that you can just so easily fall off the wagon. Um, a few busy weeks and all of a sudden it becomes so much harder to get to that yoga class or to do that meditation in the morning. But what we all have to make time to do every day, you know, even if it's at the desk, is to eat. And so one of the, um, the things that I really love from mindfulness is that it's an approach that you can apply to all kinds of activities, you know, whether it's gardening, whether it's cooking, but it, it is cultivating an awareness of the here and the now. And for me, cooking is that. It is so deeply immersive, you know, from the smell of, you know, cutting fresh pumpkin, you know, or the texture of you know, prickly cucumbers and the colours. And when you pay attention um, to what you were doing and the recipe, I feel like you can really get into a flow state very quickly. Um, Sometimes when I'm practicing, you know, a a more formal meditation practice, it it can be a little bit harder. It can be more challenging to sort of um, get those pesky thoughts sort of uh, quietened down a little bit. But when I start cooking, I don't know about you, but all of that tends to soften. And then afterwards, when I go back to doing something else, I I feel calmer. You know, I feel more present and mindful cooking really is that it is, it's just taking that daily practice of preparing meals and, and extending the benefits of, you know, either an existing mindful, mindfulness practice or um, yoga practice, but, you know, really using it in that spirit. And um, I think what makes this concept 
you know, unique um, and sort of so holistic is that it's not just about the mindful eating. Um, you may have sort of come across, uh, you know, the whole chewing properly and, and savouring our meals, which, you know, is absolutely one part of it, but it is more than that. You know, it is um, just thinking through the produce that you're buying, the seasons, you know, the effect of, of the food on how you feel and who you're cooking for, what they need, um, you know, what you already have in the kitchen and, and just all the preparation that goes behind it. Yeah. That's that's very interesting. I've never really thought about it in terms of like a yoga practice, but you're right. Like it, mm. if we do slow down and, and enjoy the experience, I think like that's probably always been mine without calling it like a mindful or anything like that. I've always been a big proponent of like actually making cooking like an enjoyable experience because I think it's a lot of uh, a lot of us tend to make it something that like I've got to do this again like dinner Stressful. Like, dinner again yeah. every night every night and just keep going yeah like, so it's nice if we can actually like yeah get something out of it what be it like you know if you've got to pick meals that you're actually excited to cook or go outside of Absolutely. your comfort zone so that you actually aren't just on um I'm trying to think of what doing the repeat. Like, yeah. Just like, per, yeah. Robot Same movie. track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I like that. Like there is a word for it of like how you can sort of like get out of your, your rut and try and, and make that, make it not, not even just more fun, but also like a more calming experience in your day um, and bringing yourself back into yourself. I like that. Um, so can you give us some, ex- some more examples? Like you've given us a few of how you can incorporate mindful cooking into daily life. So if we are too busy, like stress, stress is a big thing like it has always been, but yeah. it's probably yeah. through the roof for a lot of people, especially during quarantine. Um, you know, how do, how do we get ourselves to stop and sort of incorporate those things into our day? Oh, my God, stress. Tell me about it. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it almost sounds trite to say that the last few months have um, – have yeah really shaken things up um look mindful cooking it's not really so much about doing anything differently but rather the the intention that you bring to it and just to kind of give you a bit of a personal example and I'll go through some more um, practical things that you know people can apply at home but I mean I found for me during COVID um this, this great uncertainty and this feeling of not being safe um which you know, in, in my whole life, I'd never really experienced to this degree. And the mindful cooking, it has just been so powerful because I think for everyone, you know, there's a meal. You know, everyone has that that one meal that transports them back to a safe place, whether it's, you know, the family kitchen table or something that their grandmother used to make or, you know, a memory that they had as a child or, a, you know, a trip that they've been on. And, you know, when I, when I ask people that question about, you know, where their cooking inspiration comes from, they will often say, you know, a parent or grandparent. And um, over, you know, this whole period, recreating actually some of those you know traditional greek recipes that uh, my grandmother used to make for me when i was little so i've got lemon which is this beautiful greek chicken and lemon um, egg soup and making it in london you know for my partner and just smelling those smells again tasting those tastes you know it, it just made me feel safe it was like you know being taken into my grandmother's arms and all those memories of sort of, you know, watching her sort of slap the dough against the marble bench top, all of that just sort of came back. And I feel that through food, 
actually we can access all of those memories. And it was like having her presence there. I mean, she's, she's passed away, but you can't get to that place or that experience if you don't bring your full self to the task. And it's sort of like what you were saying before about the stress. You know, if we sort of see it as, oh, just have to get food on the table, I'm just go do this. You're not in a zone to pick up on any of that. Um, and the inspiration, as you say, just sort of isn't there. So I feel to incorporate it into, into my daily life, you know, almost it's a little bit like a yoga practice in that, you know, setting an intention, you know, before we kind of get onto the mat, often, you know, we take a few moments to set our intention for the practice. And it's exactly the same with mindful cooking. It is, you know, bringing our awareness to our energy before we start to cook, you know, when we're just caught up in all those um, thoughts and feelings and, and, you know, we're distracted. I mean, I know what happens to me. Like, honestly, the, the fire alarm ends, ends up going off. Like it just has to. <laughs> so I feel like if you can bring to mind, you know, who you're cooking for or um, just simply you know, experiencing that gratitude for the ingredients you're cooking with, um, it can just help to sort of manage your energy in the kitchen and, and really tether you to that present moment. So I find that is a big one, setting an intention. Um, the second one that I think is really important is just an awareness of the environment. Um, and again, I love the yoga analogy because, you know, you would never step into a, y- a yoga studio or sort of spend money at a yoga studio that was cluttered with all this stuff and, um, you know, bolsters thrown all about the place. Usually there's a sense of calm and, um, there's something that's really thoughtful about the way the environment is set up. And, you know, similarly, when I get into the kitchen, having that space be tidy, you know, and calm and ready and having everything I need out, all of those things, um, I think it really impacts our ability to actually just engage with the task. Um, so that, I think, again, is, is a really easy one and really accessible one. Um, the third thing I would probably say that, you know, it's just you can do immediately straight off the bat is just getting into the breath and, you know, and the breathing and the quality of those physical sensations and mental reactions when you're cooking. I mean, there's something it's, I mean, cooking, we don't often get to make things with our hands anymore. You know, it's not like I sort of sit there doing woodworking or something on the weekend, you know, so cooking is, is actually one of those things that it, it's really accessible. You're making something with your hands. It is intensely physical. Um, and actually, the process affects our bodies as well. You know, those repetitive motions of like pummeling the dough. You know, I just think back to you, know, like my grandmother's sort of strong arms of, of that repetitive um, process. And just even being in the kitchen with the oven on and you, know, you can sort of feel hot. And having just that appreciation of actually what you're doing, but how that process is impacting you and, you know, what you're doing with your breath and how you're feeling, where you're holding the tension, you know, what mood you're in. Um, all of that, I think, it, it just gives us an opportunity to reflect on ourselves and sort of really um, sink in with where we're at. Yeah. So I think those those three are, are really important. When you talk about the clean kitchen, I can just give an example from of my own is that I, yeah. <laughs> like things, obviously, like as a food blogger, they they pile up very quickly, especially if it's a shoot day or something. And (laughs) my stress level is always through the roof when my kitchen is messy. And like one thing that I I had noticed is like, I kind of got out of this routine a little while ago of unpacking the dishwasher first thing. Like if I do that first thing, the day's like starting off smoothly, but I hadn't been doing that. So by like 10 AM, the whole, like 
everything was a mess like next to the sink and I was feeling flustered and frustrated about it. And <laughs> it's like such a simple task, but it makes like all the difference because it sets the tone for my day. If I like just take the five minutes, empty the dishwasher, yeah. put everything in it gradually as the day goes on, I know that, yeah, I've set myself up for a happy day in the kitchen. <laughs> You know, it's so funny that you say that because I am exactly the same. You know, other people wake up and they kind of check their phone. I'm like, no, I am checking that dishwasher and I am unpacking it and I'm reloading it. Like that is what is going to happen. And as you say, like it just, it's, it's, you feel clean. It sort of sets you up um, for the day. So no, I, I can completely relate with that. Yeah. And it makes a big difference. Like when you, especially like when I start to prepare food, like I don't know how people do that, like preparing a meal when you've already got your kitchen as a pigsty, because that would, that just stresses me out. So I'm going to start with a clean space and then like try to get as quickly back to a clean space as possible. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and you feel cluttered. I mean, it's so hard to focus. Um, and you know, I mean, what happens, you know, stuff drops, you spill things, um, you know, then all, all of a sudden you're dealing with that interruption. It, you know, it's not, not ideal. <laughs> Absolutely not. Now I wanted to pick your brain about sustainability. Um, this has probably been something that I have personally focused on this year. I've spoken a few times on the podcast mm-hmm. about it. I've been trying to, one of my biggest things is waste. Like I wanted to stop my food waste. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm also trying to be more mindful of like the things that I buy, um, you know, making like I've, I've gotten pretty much all of my plastic containers out of the kitchen. Now I'm trying to invest in like glass and things that are going to last a while and be durable. Um, but yeah, how does mindful cooking fit in with sustainability and do you have any tips around how to be more sustainable in the kitchen? Yeah, I love this one. I mean, I, um, I think as I sort of said before, mindful cooking, it, it really helps you appreciate that whole food cycle. It's not just the eating part of it. It is, it is everything. So it is, Making those choices about, you know, what we buy from which producers, you know, really sort of taking care in the preparation, having um, an appreciation of the effect that it something, you know, has on your body. And um, ultimately, I think, you know, as we're talking about cleaning, you know, cleaning up the mess that we've made and, and how we manage the waste because there is, you know. And so I do feel like over the last couple of months, I mean, there have been a lot of negative things, but certainly here in the UK, more people are buying local. Um, you know, we've had to, uh, there's, you know, more of an awareness of British farming and supply chains. And, um, it's so funny. I mean, I've seen like this whole movement around, you know, just people starting to grow their own food, which I also really love. I mean, we live in an apartment here in central London. So the best I've got is a little box, but I, you know, I've been seeing our family back in Brisbane and they've got this big backyard and, you know, growing like fig trees and finger lime, and blue, blueberry trees, and banana chili. So, you know, Andrew's mum sends me all these beautiful photos. So I think people are now really starting to cultivate that awareness and, you know, sustainability is now also becoming part of becoming more self-reliant in some ways. Um, and I think, you know, particularly over the last couple of months, you know, it's been hard to get to the, the shops. You know, it's um, you know, in some ways it's been a little bit scary. You, and when you get there, you don't know what will actually be there. So I find definitely here in the UK at least, um, you know, people have been buying a lot more from local farmers markets and also sustainable delivery services. That has that has just honestly they've absolutely been crushing it so 
again, I don't know what the situation has been like um, over in Australia, but here trying to get a delivery slot with any of the major supermarket chains, I mean, yeah, you would need a minor miracle. Uh, so what, what, what actually happened was that um, Natura, which is um, a sustainable online farmer's market, and honestly this felt like a little bit of a chef's secret for a really long time. Like they were supplying um, you know, some of the best restaurants in London and then all of a sudden, um, Natura was just ramping up and delivering d- direct to consumers. And they are an amazing, amazing um, business. But the thing I love is just all the education about all these different varieties of fruits and vegetables that, I mean, honestly, I had never even heard of. Um, and that like all these sustainable techniques that they're using for actually growing them. Um, and just to give you this really cool example um, we've recently discovered nectar beans. So I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they are this um, blood peach cross. So beautiful. So if you can imagine like a plum, like this sort of crimson flesh on the outside, um, but inside like this white sort of juicy, tangy, but sweet, um, you know, kind of juiciness of the nectarine and just the smell. Like I remember when these um, boxes were delivered to us and we bought like a kilo of them and my, my partner's since made jam with them. But um, the smell, like it was just incredible. And I think the more that we can connect people to actually what it feels like to cook with this sort of fresh natural produce and really to know where it comes from, I mean, the better. You, you just can't go back. And I think, you know, to support our planet, like we need to recognise the power of those choices because like whether we like it or not you know through the choices that we make whenever we go and buy something actually we're influencing the impact of food production on the planet and we need to have that awareness that it is actually within our control to be intentional about what we want that impact to be um so i mean to give you a little bit of a um like what we've been doing in our kitchen and, and some tips that people might find helpful i mean just download a seasonal calendar, like pin it up in your kitchen. Um, you know, if there's a particular fruit or vegetable that you love, just be curious about it. Like when is it ripe? When is it best to eat it? You know, how, how do you select it for ripeness? So that one like, I love, so simple, just print it out, stick it up. Um, you know, visiting farms is one I, I, I really love. Like I've got so many beautiful memories of um, going to Dalesford in Victoria during the Lavender Festival, but I mean, obviously it's a little bit higher now with um, social distancing and lockdown, but you know, when you can, you know, actually visiting where the food comes from is, is really powerful. Um, as I said, you know, becoming a green thumb, you know, if you've got the space, you know, try and grow something of your own, like, even if it's just, you know, little herbs or something, you know, that piece of greenery, you know, in, and including it in your food is, um, is actually quite magical. So, um, I really love that. And then, I mean, obviously the whole, the whole topic of leftovers, like, oh, my God, you know, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> it's, it's been, like, crazy. You're right to see how many people have really gotten into the, the, the gardening and growing their own food. Like, as soon as that first quarantine hit, I, like, we didn't have any seeds left in our, like, in Bunnings, like our hardware store. Like, yeah. Couldn't, couldn't get your hands on, like, anything like that. Um, and, I, look, I hope that that wasn't a fad. I hope that those people, like, continue to to grow and learn about how to, you know, sustain themselves through that because, you know, that's wonderful if, if we all just, like, you know, started to become a little less reliant on 
the food chain started growing a little bit of our own stuff. I don't think that's ever a bad thing. Mm, you know, it's so funny. Um, I was actually reading the other day, these facts are quite new, but um, apparently you were sort of saying about lockdown and, you know, the impact that it has when people get out of it. Unfortunately, the trend that we're seeing here in the UK is that now that the lockdown has been eased, actually household waste um, has increased by nearly a third, uh, which is crazy. So um, this that statistic comes from um, the UK government's waste advisory board wrap. Um, so they said that it was self-reported that um, people said actually their waste had increased by up to 30%, so reversing all the progress that they had made during the pandemic, which is I mean, it's so unfortunate. I mean, I've got to say on that whole um, whole sort of front of eliminating waste, I mean, we, sh- we should capitalise on those habits. We've got to make them a habit. Um, you know, preparing meals in advance, you know, being resourceful and creative. Um, I mean, I know for ourselves, like we've been really conscious of it, of it over the last couple of months Um just because, I mean, again, I don't know what was happening in Australia, but with all the um, the stockpiling, all the canned goods that you know ordinarily would have gone to food banks and other vulnerable people just didn't have access to it. And so, for us, you know, seeing that, you know, we we obviously felt very grateful that you know we had access to really good quality food, and um, but it made us so much more appreciative of what we had. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not letting anything go to waste. And you know, that was a really huge kind of turning point. I mean, we'd always cared about it, but really it was like, no, this is like, we have to, um, have to treat this as something that's precious. And my secret weapon actually through the pandemic, um, is a kitchen chalkboard. Uh, I don't know if you've got one of these up, but, um, this little, like this little thing seems so simple, but we were tracking, you know, what we were buying what we'd thrown out because it had spoiled. So like rather than just, oh, this has gone off, chuck it in the bin, actually documenting well, how much we were throwing out that week because, you know, of spoilage and having that reminder up, I mean, even just like having um, our daily menu. So if I'd make something and we had leftovers, I'd have it up as our sort of daily menu just to remind us, you know, we have those leftovers in the fridge. Um, and so just having that chalkboard, keeping track of that, just transformed our relationship um, to sort of food and waste. So all of those odds and ends that would have, you know, otherwise ended up in the bin, you know, we were making into stock, you know, stale bread, I was making into croutons. Um, And I think, you know, having that awareness of what you can substitute. I mean, sometimes obviously with baking, you you can't just um, (laughs) chuck in kind of what you want, but with soups and stews and things like that, you you can actually be quite creative and substitute for what you actually have. Um, So I, I absolutely love that. So my, my kitchen chalkboard was my absolute savior. <laughs> That's a really good tip. Yeah. I know. Um, I was talking to a few people during um, the quarantine, especially like when we were trying not to go to the grocery store too often. I know like a, a few of my mm. friends were making like a stockpile of what they had in the freezer to make sure that they yeah. used that up and like, it didn't just yeah, sit there for months. Um, yeah. And yeah, you're right. Like it, it takes a little bit of planning and a little bit of forethought. And I know that's not like as glamorous and as an exciting as <laughs> just going to no, the- it's not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it does make a big difference. And like that's one of the big things that I I started just doing at the start of the year when I was working on my like food waste was just like 
taking five minutes to look at what I already have before I go to the shop. Like I, I realized I I didn't need to keep buying like these, you know, like a can of chickpeas. If I've already got it there, like I don't need to keep buying that. Like just make sure that I only only have what I need. And like, I think back to what you said, what I've learned during this whole COVID experience is that, yeah, like the stockpiling and stuff really taught me that I, I, I'm grateful to have what I have and I already have a cupboard that's full of food and I always just go and buy what I want. <laughs> like, so mm. it's, it's nice to know that yeah. I can actually use what I have already and I don't need to worry about that and just making the most um, of what I have mm-hmm. already. And, and to your point about the food banks is also, I like, I like to regularly go through my cupboard and if there's like ingredients that I've bought that, obviously I unopened that I know that I'm not going to be able to use or say like I've tried something new and I didn't, I bought multiples of it and didn't like it. Um, I make sure I drop those off too, because there's no point letting those things go to waste either. No, no. And, um, I was really fortunate actually part of, um, our, in the kitchen series, we, we interview sort of two women who are having an impact in the local community a week. And, um, one of one of the women I interviewed was um, the CEO of Olio, which is actually um, a food waste sharing um, app here in the UK where you can, um, yeah, basically those those items, you know, cans or even cooked food that someone else might want, um, you can actually yeah, share them in your neighbourhood, which is a really, really cool concept. Because um, I think we're kind of a bit skittish about that sort of stuff, but actually there are a lot of things that are packaged, um, you know, haven't been opened, haven't really been touched that, you know, someone else, you know, even in your own apartment building might want to use. Um, so just being aware of those little things and all those apps and um, businesses out there that are actually making a difference, like read those stories, you know what I mean? Like it's you know, like be, be aware of actually what those businesses that you're buying from are doing um, to have it, have that impact um, and how you can sort of support that. I think that's so important. And I mean, well, lockdown cooking, gosh, just on um, the whole food waste thing, I found like being so much more creative and aware of what you can do with basic ingredients, like eggs, cream, and milk, like to make ice cream from scratch. Like we bought um, this, you know, small kind of like one liter ice cream maker during lockdown. And that was an amazing investment. Like we weren't buying ice cream out. We were experimenting with different flavors. It was all fresh and you could just do so much more with, um, the ingredients, like those raw ingredients, and um, even just kind of going back to the um, the ice cream sandwich recipe, like I love that one because you know you make the ice cream with the egg yolks, but then the egg whites, you know, you save for the decline and you use it for that, and the amount is just perfect. So you're not wasting any of the egg. Like I hate those recipes where you um you know you, you crack the eggs and you end up with all these leftovers, and you think. You know, what, what do I do with it now? Um, and so there are some recipes, for example, on the website, like this beautiful egg white omelette, the spring with all the sort of spring herbs like dill, which again is a great way to make use of those um, those leftover egg whites. So just being creative with, with what you have, I think is so important. You can kind of make it like a fun challenge too. Like I think that um, uh, one of the very first guests we ever had on the podcast, Sarah from Yes and Yes, she does like a no grocery challenge. Um, Mm. I think think she does it once a month for a week, but um, 
my, my memory could be a bit foggy, but basically she's like, I'm not going to go to the grocery store. So whatever I have here is what I'm making. And she'd like pull out these, these random ingredients and she puts it in her Instagram stories, kind of like a chopped challenge. Like if you've ever watched that TV show and the thing she comes up with, you're like, that makes sense. It's something I would eat. It's so clever. And she's made it out of like virtually nothing, like five ingredients that she had in her fridge. Oh, that I love that. And it was such a good idea. So yeah, it's, if you make it like a fun challenge and to like push yourself or even like one of her chips, like the mystery box on MasterChef, right? That's you know, it's like, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like yeah, Google, no, whatever ingredients you've got in the fridge that you're not sure, like you could just put them into Google and I'm sure you'll find ideas of like recipes that you could try um, or just like make a variation of something that you normally eat, but with maybe with like a different vegetable, it's fun. It is so fun. And you know what? I think as well, that is kind of where you bring your instinct into it. And um, again, another tip, one of the best things I ever bought was like a flavor Bible. Um, and I love, I love recipe books, but I love my flavor Bible even more because it gives you that freedom for combining flavors and gives you a bit of sense of what, what's going to go well with something else. And um, when you're in that predicament and you're kind of like, well, I don't really want to go, go down to the shops or you know, I just want to use what, what I've got. Um, it's a great way of thinking, well, you know, what is going to pair well with that salary or what's, go- you know, what's actually going to work with this. And I just having fun. I mean, apart from baking, which can, you know, be a bit more um, precise, most things that you make, you know, you, you can sort of substitute and put your own little spin on it. And um, I mean, I love that. I love that about cooking, just making it your own. What's coming up next for your project? Yeah, so I'm so excited. Um, Marmalade and Kindness has its first event series coming up um, in October, so the 15th of October, and it's part of World Values Day. Uh, so I'm hosting three online uh, mindful cooking workshops, and I've teamed up with um, an LA-based nutritionist, Ashy Nutrition. Uh, so these workshops are for children, and um, we're doing them across the US, Australia, and UK. So it's going to be a really busy um, 24 hours for me, mm-hmm. but um, I'm I am so excited to get children cooking and just thinking about values in their everyday life. I, I mean, I know personally the impact that it's had for me, like just approaching life through this lens of what is actually important to you. And um, I think, you know, when you start you know, living with values in the, in the focus of your mind, like it actually gives you a really tangible framework for problem solving and you know, just understanding your reactions to things. And once you have that, you can focus your energy on the tasks that actually fill you up, you know, the stuff that gives you meaning and gives you purpose. And I only wish I had access to that thinking when I was younger. Um, I, w- I feel like I would have saved myself so much energy. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited for those events. So World Values Day, 15th of October, um, they're across all sorts of social media channels. So, yeah, definitely check it out. Awesome. And so if people wanted to get involved with that and if they have kids, how do they, um, yeah, make sure that they signed up for it? Yep. Uh, so there will be signups. Um, so it will be done through Zoom. So literally just sort of signing up online. So I can, I can give you the link for listeners um, in the next couple of weeks if that works. Perfect. I'll make sure it's linked in yeah. the show notes when we put, it, put this episode out. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it's a little bit, um, as I said, it's a little little while away, but um, it's it's in the works and it's, it's very exciting. They've started all the social media campaigns just to kind of get a little bit of, um, get a little bit of traction behind it and sort of start spreading the word. But 
honestly look into it. I, um, as I say, I did some values-based coaching a little while ago and it was probably one of the most transformational things I've done, to be honest. Um, so it can, it can feel a bit esoteric when you're explaining it to other people. But as I say, once you've got that tangible framework that you're using, um, I don't know, things just sort of start to, uh, start to click into place. That definitely makes sense. Well, Ada, I really appreciate this chat. It's opened my mind to a few things that I haven't really considered about cooking. I think that, um, like I was saying earlier, you can just kind of get into your routine and you don't really think too much about it. Um, but yeah, like I, I've never really thought about it in terms of like how it can become like a stress breaker and a more, um, yeah, like even like a meditative time. So I I love it. Um, can you, can you let my listeners know where they can find you? Yes. So it is www.marmaladeandkindness.com. Um, so same on all the social channels, uh, Twitter is mom underscore kind. Um, all the links will be in the show notes, but yeah, please, please check it out. It's, it's very cool. And I'm a very approachable person. So if you ever want to just chat or or drop an email, like, please do. I, I love hearing from people and particularly people who've made the recipes. It just, um, yeah, it warms my heart to sort of see that people are enjoying the food. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. It's been amazing. I must admit that I'd never thought about how cooking could be turned into a mindfulness practice or even a form of self-care, but Ada had a really interesting take on it. I think given how chaotic this year has been, any moments of Zen that we can find in our day are great. For all the links we discussed in today's episode, head to cookitrealgood.com slash 57. Well, that's it from me. Have a great week and don't just cook, cook it real good. Bye.